Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It's Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Coast time, and that means it's time for Trek Talking to the Overflow show. And because we have so much Star Trek to talk about and so much new content, we just, we just can't cover everything on our Thursday night podcast. So we added this Monday night show just to give us a chance to have some fun and talk about things we can't fit into our regular podcast. Before we get too far, though, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I'm coming to you live from Rutland, Vermont, and with me, as usual, is my incredibly awesome co-host, Charles, and he's out in Las Vegas. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good from the incredibly warm Las Vegas. So we peaked at about 100 today. So it's supposed to be even worse wow. by, the mid, mid, by the end of the week. Wow, you can have it. We're a nice, we're a nice mild 72 right now, and I'll take it. <laughs> In my, I'm not even sure we'll even see 72 at uh, sunrise right now. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, guys, um, in case you're wondering, we played the Star Trek Picard Season 2 theme song at the top of the podcast because we're going to talk about Picard season two. And this is um, an interesting topic because fans are pretty much split on season two of Picard as we are on this podcast as well. It seems that fans either hated it or they didn't. And most of the fans that hate it are the, are the loudest and you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil type of a thing. And you'll read on all these Facebook pages and a lot of Star Trek groups about 
I hated this, I hated that, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so we're going to talk about Season 2 of Star Trek Picard tonight, right now. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. If you'd like to give us a call and share your opinion of Star Trek Picard Season 2. Now we're going to talk about the entire season as it was meant to be binged, one right after the other. Um, so we're going we're gonna to give the, our score for the entire story from beginning to end. Now, we do have all of the fan scores from each individual episode that we're going to talk about. Because on our Facebook page, we always ask you guys, the fans, what did you think about tonight's episode of Star Trek? Whether it's Strange New Worlds, Discovery, Prodigy, whatever. And we collect your scores. And so we're going to go over what you guys the fans scored the episodes and then we're going to add those all up to come up with an overall fan score of the entire um, 10 episode season as a whole. And that's what we're going to talk about. So uh, Charles, uh, let's, let's, let's dive right in. What do you say? Sounds good to me. So let's start off. um, I've I've kind of broken because we have 10 episodes. I've kind of, uh, broken it down into three, three, and four, or, or actually we'll do four. Anyways, so episode uh, one, Stargazer, the fans gave it a 9.5, which was an incredible start to start off with. Um, just wow. One of the highest uh, premiere episodes that we've had, 9.5, very reasonable. And um, if you guys remember, that's the one where uh, who's in charge of the Stargazer? Captain Rios. And Seven of Nine is off in the La Serena delivering medical supplies for the Rangers. And Rafi is um, the commander of the Stargazer. Elnor is the first Romulan in Starfleet. And we're, we're, we're learning, we're catching up with the crew at this point in time. Rafi was actually on a separate ship. Yeah, she was on the Excelsior. She was on the Excelsior. She was, she and Elnor were on the Excelsior, and we had Rios, and uh, we had Rios on board when Girardi came up, and then Picard and Seven came on board. Right, and uh, so the season starts off with a brand-new Stargazer, which is comprised of Borg technology that they got from the relic that they found in Season 1 that the Romulans had. They built a brand-new starship, the Stargazer. Not Stargazer A, not Stargazer 2. I don't know why they didn't do that. But they just called it the USS Stargazer by itself and gave it a new registry number. So right off the bat, we start off with Rios. He's now a captain. He was first officer, if you recall, and uh, he got he got um, demoted long before season one. We never actually see Rios in his Starfleet uniform because when season one starts, he's already on the La Serena and already lost his commission in Starfleet for what I happened. He, with I think the, he I think he resigned or got taken out of Starfleet. Yeah, he something kind of happened. Book, I believe he, I think he got resigned his commission at the time. So, uh, but we also got to remember that from season one to season two, we do have a year has passed. 
Exactly. Yep. So, uh, Stargazer got a 9.5. Uh, episode 2, by the name of Penance, got a 9.4. Episode 3, Assimilation, got a 9.3. And Episode 4, The Watcher, got a 9. So, the first four episodes of Star Trek Picard were all A's and A-pluses. Voted on you guys, our fans. And uh, I pretty much ag- I-, I agree with that. What do you think? Are you pretty much in line with that, Charles? Uh, yes. I think it did have a good, because we got that point where we had, we had um, got to see Q, and we got to see the new Q, and we got to see what we thought was the new trial. And... We got to see some good time travel. And I believe it's assimilation where I think we had Leah Thomas as our director and appeared in one episode, which was I think a lot of these, they kind of block in sets of two for the director. Yeah. And three yep. and four were all Leah's episodes. And many of us are real big fans of her stating back, tying into Back to the Future. So she was doing some of the time travel work. And in which her time travel, we saw some very good flashbacks into Star Trek Four. We could see them time traveling and doing that flip, going that high speed into the sun. And it's the same thing they did in Star Trek Four, and even the scenes of where they're time traveling through gave me memories of Star Trek Four, And I think that being some in the neighborhood of the first or second most popular movie of the franchise between two and four, I think it was a good direction to associate and interest with the fans. So I do believe those are high scores for good reason. So we see, um, we see Q uh, playing around with the timeline. We don't know what he did, but he did something which creates a alternate timeline to the prime timeline. And this is where, this is where a lot of confusion comes in. And and it's understandable, but it's been discussed like 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 so many times. So uh, when Picard and the crew end up in this totalitarian system where where Seven is in charge and General Picard is killing people and wiping out civilizations, and he's just a nasty guy all around. This is the alternate future. The, that's it. The Confederation. This is the alternate timeline that was created when Q does what he does in the past. So when they go back in time, they're going back in time from the 
the alternate universe back in time. So, so the past hasn't happened the way it did. It happened before because Q changed it. Is the way it as was. we see, right. as we saw, as we saw it rather described by Doc Brown in Back to the Future Two, where we've taken a detour and all of a sudden we're in a new timeline. And therefore, right. the same reason why Guinan is different than she was before. Right. Guinan doesn't know Picard because the incidents in Times Arrow Part 1 and 2 don't, didn't happen in this timeline. The past tense from Deep Space Nine didn't happen in this timeline. All these things that, that, that happened didn't happen. And this creates this alternate future, which is bad. Just a bad, bad thing. But the one good thing about it is the Borg Queen. Now, they kidnapped the Borg Queen because she's the only one that can handle the time travel stuff that Spock did in Star Trek IV. And to me, this is the strong point of the first couple of episodes is the Borg Queen and her interaction with Gerardi. I think it's, it's great what's, what's going on between those two. They have a really good chemistry, I think. They play really well yeah. off of each other. And the boar queen is so creepy, just hanging there from these wires and no legs, of course. And uh, my favorite scene is when she crawls along the floor. I'm like, oh, that is so creepy. Just crawling on her arms across the floor. It's just creepy, creepy, creepy. Yeah. But um, so this but is why did, Dinah doesn't. they did a good job with the queen. Yeah, they did. They did a really good job with the queen. Now, unfortunately, but I think as as we watch the series, and you think it's it's a little confusing in there, but when you rewatch those this, that part together again, that actually makes a lot more sense when you see it in yeah. that group in its context. I I watched each episode twice. Because I watch it once when it's on, and then I go back and rewatch it so we can talk about it on the show. So I watch each episode Jim, twice. I, Jim watched yep. it twice. I thought Jim watched it at least three times. Well, I went back and binged the whole thing in a row. And right. No, I, 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 thought honestly, you, I thought you actually watched it about three times in a week. Well, some of them might. It, it all depends on what's going on that week. If if I'm at camp or what's happening, but right. at, at least twice, at, at the very least. The Gorn episode of, of uh, Strange New Worlds, I think I watched four times, but at any rate. Um, so when I went back and binge-watched them all together in one block, I can honestly tell you that I enjoyed it so much more watching it as a, as a one continuous loop than, you know, one wait a week, one wait a week, one wait a week, because a lot of these episodes don't stand well on their own, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, But when you watch them linked to the episodes that come after it, they, they, they tell a better story that way, in my opinion. Exactly. Yes. So when I watched them, you know, back to back to back to back to back, they told a much more cohesive story than watching it, one week and then waiting a week and watching another one. It, it worked better for me watching them back to back to back. 
So um, what, what else? Right. So but also as as Jim as Jim and I were discussing earlier before the show, but we also really enjoyed the conversation of we get to the end of the episode and we sit there and try to predict what's going to happen, what we believe might be what's going what's going on. So even though exactly. it is a better set all the way through, the week to week to week, we still have a lot of fun debating what is happening in the series and enjoying the conversation of what happened between here, what is going to happen next, what is going to happen to Board Queen, what is going to happen between Picard and the Watcher. All exactly. the interesting things that occurred. So, but Elnor, unfortunately, is killed before they come, before they leave the future and come back in time. He, he dies. And Rafi's having a hard time dealing with that and keeps seeing him all over the place. And uh, Gerardi tells her, I'm not really sure if we fix the timeline, if Elnor will come back or not. Because when, when, we, when, when we fix the timeline and go back to the future, uh, no pun intended, will things reset or not? And she doesn't know. She's not sure. So Rafi's assuming that they will. So she she really wants to fix things so that Elnor comes back. And we'll, we'll circle back around to what happens to Elnor when we, when we catch up to ourselves. So but Elnor is... We also, we, we also get two new characters in this situation also that become interesting ones. And that's the doctor and her son, which Rios interacts with, and that becomes an interesting storyline itself there, which we will re-talk about in pieces also. Yes, and when when you watch it back to back to back to back, I caught I caught something that I didn't catch before. And the when 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 Seven and Rafi are standing on top of the tower and they say Kevin's not more funner than you and the guard says, No, Kevin's not more funner than me. You can go up and up on the top of the tower. And they go up there with their tricorder and they look over and there's raging forest fires. And Seven says, Well, this is the beginning of the end. This is where it starts. She says something like, you know, um, they have the, what did she say? They could, they, they could stop it. I don't know. Like all the wealth and power are with so few people. They could stop this if they choose to or something, something along those lines. And when we see earth in the future, there's a shield over the, over the planet because they destroyed it because they did nothing to prevent it. So in this case, when Seven's talking about this, later on down the road, we find out that that Jean-Luc Picard's great, I think it's his great-great-niece, was it, or something like that, Renee Picard, she brings back a microbe from Europa. And this microbe is used by Rios's adopted son, whose name escapes me right now, you would think I would know it. Yeah. But Rios, 
and his adopted son use this microbe to heal the earth. Without the microbe, they can't heal the earth. And without healing the earth, we have this confederation start. I didn't catch that whole connection when I watched it one at a time. But when I watched it back to back to back, I realized that what, what had happened was it wasn't just Renee going to space and finding his microbe and that changes the future. It was the fact that what that microbe means to humanity and how it changes everything. And I missed that the first time through. I didn't catch it till I watched it back to back to back. So that leads me to, to the question of, and I know we've talked about this before, Charles, but I got to say it again. Was this entire this entire thing a predestined time paradox that was meant to always happen is my question, I guess. And every time we have a time travel story, I bring that up. But um, if Picard no. was he, no, okay, okay, um, you kind of get to Doctor Who point where they're talking about there's six points in time. I don't think this was a fixed point in time because are we going to shift and get the Confederation? Are we going to shift and get the Federation? There's that fork in the road, and it depends on what happens to which, 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 which side of the fork we take. So I think there are key points, and I think it's the idea is, does Renee take off? into space and find this and lead us towards the Federation or is she stopped and Sung is not Sung yeah Sung is the hero and leads us towards the Confederation oh, yeah okay I can see that all right I you know because I'm looking at it like, well, Rios and this kid used a microbe to cure the earth, and is that always meant to happen type of a thing. But I, I might be overthinking it. But at any rate, uh, the microbe that they find is, is crucial to healing the earth, and that was my point. I missed that whole connection when I watched right. them individually. So I, I enjoyed that catching that because at the end Guinan has a picture of Rios and his girlfriend leaning on a truck behind the bar that's 400 years old and she points it out to Picard it's been there the whole time and Picard never noticed it and well neither did I <laughs> until until she yeah, points yeah, well, it they out were, I, they didn't really you know? show the picture that much but I gather he'd been in the bar for a significant amount of time without noticing it. Yes. So, so that, that, um, that's what goes on in the beginning. And then uh, we get to the watcher and uh, Picard goes to meet the watcher and Guinan brings him to the watcher. And who is the watcher? Laris's descendant. She's a Romulan. And uh, she's Laris's descendant from season one, played by the same awesome actress. And she's a little bit leery to trust Picard, you know. So this is where it ends. We find out she's Laris. We find out who does Laris work for? 
uh, what is it, the Argus? Was that the name of it? I, I don't remember the exact name of the group that Gary Seven belonged to. So we right. find out later it's that group actually belongs to that that group actually is part of the Travelers. Yes, which which we see on but TNG. Which does tie us, though, into TNG, but also ties us into TOS when Picard remembers the existence of Gary Seven. That's right. Yep. And we have the same swirly little thing in the safe that Gary Seven had in Assignment Earth. And we find out that, that she's been sent there to watch Renee Picard. So that that's where we we end our first block of episodes, which which the fans gave all the, the lowest one was the one we're talking about now, which was Watcher, which only got a nine. Now assimilation, I want to jump back to that one. That episode is interesting because that's the episode where where we see this incredible incredible acting chops between uh, Allison Pill and and. Uh, Wheeland, Wetchland, we, uh, the Borg Queen, and uh, she wants to get assimilated so that she can get the information from the Borg Queen. And Picard is is trying to protect Gerardi from being assimilated. And there's this really great scene where the dialogue is bouncing back bef- between Gerardi and the Queen, and they're changing voices and mannerisms back and forth as they're both fighting for control over over the body and it's it's some it's just it's great that scene is just phenomenal and then finally the board queen later on gets a cop to show up there gerardi comes in and kills the board queen so we think but then later on in a flashback we find out that the board queen touched her and infused some of her um, nanoprobes into Gerardi, basically attempting to assimilate her. And we, at this point, don't know how far the assimilation went because the Borg Queen is very weak and she's not the same. So, we we don't know. We get a great line. We get a great line from the Borg Queen. When she looks at Gerardi and said, you've done something dangerous. You've impressed me. And we get that yes. interesting interaction that the board queen is impressed with Girardi. She wants her because she knows she's good and she's going to be able to do her task. Yes, because the board queen, the board queen tells Picard and Girardi, why should I help you? Give me the ship and I'll tell you what you want to know. And Girardi's like, oh, you mean like where the watcher is and when, when the change happened? Uh, she goes, computer, open the file, shit I stole from the Borg Queen. And she yeah. has all the info, and the Borg Queen's like, what? What? And it's, it's great the way they, they play that, and Girardi outsmarted the Borg Queen. And that starts the relationship between those two. And that, yeah. that brings us up to the end of this block of episodes which all scored, like I said, 
9.5, 9.4, 9.3, and 9.0. So these first four episodes were, were A pluses and A's from all of our fans, and I agree. They were outstanding. It, they set up the story. They set up the characters. We catch up with them. We know what's going on with them, and it, it's you know gets the whole ball rolling. Um, we do have a caller on the line, though, here. Charles, let's see if I can get this phone to work here. Maybe. I don't know why this doesn't work. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Anna. Anna, what's going on? Yes, I am calling. Yeah. I am watching the whole Star Trek Picard, and I have to say, I, I'm really taken with it. Like, I had to stop watching it to call, you know, to see what she'd have to say about it. But really, it's, you know, one of the shows you just want to keep watching. And I started in a very different place. I wasn't sure where to start. So I'm not familiar with some of that, because you said, and I only saw a couple from, you know, a new fan perspective. I'm really enjoying watching it. I hope we're not ruining it. We're not ruining it for you, I hope. (laughs) Well, no, some of it has just been over my head, what you said, and then I'll go back and I'll get it later. There's just so much more. I thought I was actually a Star Trek nerd before I started connecting with other people, and now I'm like, I am nowhere near a nerd. It's like, you know. Well, you, you know, it's yeah, funny that you say that. You're still a nerd. Geek. Who thinks you're a nerd? <laughs> or something I, like know, that. I don't know. <laughs> one of the things that got me into Star Trek in the very, very beginning was when I saw the episode, The Menagerie, and I realized that there was a history to Star Trek before Captain Kirk, and I was hungry for information. I had to go back and find out anything I could about Pike, about the Enterprise, about Spock, about what happened before Kirk, and it was that history that that made me want to know more. So you're getting involved in Star Trek at a great time because there's so much history for you to explore and learn about that that it's it's a great adventure to go on. And you can really start anywhere. It occurred to me because there is just so much content and it's very high quality. So very impressive. Yeah, you well, and then and then you could sit there and hear us mention Gary Seven. It's like, well, wait a minute, who's this Gary Seven? Then you go back to TOS and look at at Simon Earth, and you're like, oh, that's the connection. That's how we're connecting things, the pieces together. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that episode. I want to see more TOS. Soon you've gone to all of TOS. You hear links to TNG. You start, oh, let me watch a couple of the TNG. Oh, I like this. Let me watch the whole thing. Pretty soon you're hooked on all of Star Trek. Yeah. I think I, I think you're I think you're in the right place because if you start with what's out there right now. And then you can work mm-hmm. your way back based on the connections that, that come up in Picard, for instance. or And you can work your way back from there and just watch those individual episodes that are mentioned in Picard. 
and then you know fill in those gaps as they as you go along. I think you'll be very very happy and very satisfied with the story. Great. Thank you. There's so much. Yeah, very mm-hmm. A lot going on. So we're gonna we're gonna continue talking about Picard here. So the next four episodes that we want to talk about right now are uh, Fly Me to the Moon, which the fans gave an 8.5. And this is the middle of the season where the fan score started to dip. So Fly Me to the Moon was 8.5. Two of One was 8.6. Monsters was 7. And Mercy was 7.9. Now, Fly Me to the Moon and Two of One were directed by Jonathan Frakes, who usually gets the highest um, scores. But in this case, we're right in the heart of the story. So what's going on in these episodes is um, Agnes keeps uh, telling Picard 15, 15, 15. And this is another connection that I missed. Uh, Picard points it out. Well, Agnes, you put 15 on the abacus. You picked you know, Picard 2915 vintage wine. You Everything you pick is 15, and 15 is this magic number. What does 15 mean? And I didn't catch the connection until I watched it back to back to back. Mm-hmm. 15 is when they go to this this um, soiree that the astronauts August go to. No, August 15th, the day of the launch. Well, that uh, that wasn't the August fifteenth is the day of the launch. See, that wasn't the the connection that I got because when they went to the party, Laris tells Picard that they go on lockdown for fifteen hours before the launch, and that fifteen hours is where they where they when they go to the party, and the board queen takes over Girardi, she sings an incredible an incredible Pat Benatar song called Shadows of the Night. And let me tell you, Alison Pill can sing. She belted it out. Yes. And it it was really great. Picard has a little interaction with Renee because she's not sure of herself. And Picard, posing as a security guard, gives her some confidence. And she tells Picard, here's a tie-in to Enterprise. Uh, Tells Picard, um, about this little ship that's hanging on the ceiling, and I forgot what what was her nickname for. Do you remember, Charles? Um, Don't remember the exact name. But um, it was little Small stubby shuttle. or something like that. And this ship is a ship that we see in the opening credits of Star Trek Enterprise that nobody knows where it came from or what it what its significance is. Well. Now we know. Renee tells Picard, well, that the name of the ship and what, what it's all about. He talks her into, you know, going on the mission. And Agnes gets assimilated by the Borg Queen and sings a song and takes off in her red dress and vanishes just off into the night. So while all of this is going on, though, we, this is where the meat and potatoes of the story, and this is where a lot of fans got lost. I, I personally did not. I thought it was really good the way they did this. Uh, Picard, we have an episode entitled Monsters, and we find we actually see Picard's father 
Maurice, who's played by James Callis, uh, who was Baltar on Battlestar Galactica, and he's Picard's father. And Picard's mother is suffering from depression. I, I think it's depression. Was it depression, Charles, or was, was it never really pointed out to us? We weren't quite sure, but it was some kind of depression or some kind of male disorder. Yeah, she was suffering from something. And, you know, I think it's, you know, people have brought up the fact that wouldn't they have a cure for that in the future? And I, I, don't, I think the point isn't do they have a cure for it, but the point is more along the lines of, do they force a cure on someone who doesn't want it? I mean, if they have a cure and well, you don't want it, then, uh, you know, they're not going to make you take it. So we don't know if they had a cure for this disease or if she turned it down or what. We, we don't know. Um, but she was suffering we, from we some got, mental we've illness. Got some, we've got some not much cures, but ways of helping people with certain mental disorders. But one of the first issues of dealing with such disorder is admitting you've got an issue. And that's, I think, part of the problem in there was I don't think she was admitting she had a problem. Because she begs her son to let her out, not realizing that she gets the chance to do something that's going to hurt herself. But that if you're not willing to admit there's a problem, and I think that was a good, it was a dark method for Picard, but I think it was a good link for some, hopefully for some people to realize the first thing you need to do is admit there's a problem. Because if you don't admit there's a problem, you may not be able to live that long life. As Picard says, oh, I dreamed of her being an old woman serving me coffee. Well, tea. And it's like, yes, we realize he did not get that because she wouldn't admit the problem. And I think that one of the things about this is that when young Jean-Luc finds the key and lets his mother out and then she commits suicide. And as a child, he carries that guilt through his entire life and he hides it and he buries it. And that, that guilt that he felt affected his ability to have relationships in the future. And I I think that it, 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 it really, really, tells you a lot about the character and a lot of the decisions that he's made through his life that we see on the shows and his, his uh, lack of commitment with Laris, for instance, because of the guilt he's carrying as a child. Just imagine how that must have made, well, you know, a, a child feel. So, you know, not only just his relationship with Laris, but you also have his relationship with Beverly You've got the relationship with, uh, uh, who's the archaeologist that went off with Q? Vosh. Vosh. You also have that relationship with Vosh. But 
some people complain about this, but sometimes it's an idea of, okay, where do you sometimes get your best stories? From fiction or from personal life? And I think one of the complaints that some people had was this was a little bit of Patrick Stewart's life as much as it was John Luke Picard's life. But maybe it's a way of kind of giving people a look into their own past and maybe a way of realizing they need to change their life in a better direction. Yes, I I, I thought it was, was a really powerful um, way to deal with this character, with, with Jean-Luc's past. We also learned that the Borg Queen eats car batteries because she needs the, the, the chemical in the car batteries in order to build up her nanoprobe so that she can run around and assimilate more people. And at this point, we're assuming that she wants to assimilate Earth in, in, this, in this particular um, time. Uh, and, and we see Girardi. And a seven yeah, admit that she remembers the smell of these chemicals because they had to put these specific chemicals into her body to allow her to be assimilated. Yep, absolutely. And 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 the Borg Queen shows up and is going to kill Seven and uh, Rafi, except Gerardi steps in and stops it. And this is where mm-hmm. we see the inner conflict between the Borg Queen and Gerardi taking form right here. And they're fighting for who's going to control the body. And then she takes off across some cars and disappears again. And they have to hunt her down later on, which, which they do. Um, so the, the, this bunch of episodes scored much lower. But then the buildup to the grand finale, which was hide-and-seek, and the Farewell, Hide and Seek scored an 8.7, and Farewell scored a 9.4, which oddly enough is one-tenth of a point lower than Stargazer, which started at a 9.5. So this, according to the fans, it started really, really high, it dipped down, and then it went right back up to the top again. And I think that that roller coaster middle there uh, lost a lot of fans. Uh, they just did, It just wasn't what they expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Trek to be, or it wasn't what Star Trek, what they thought it was, uh, whatever. Well, but, they were um, kinda, I think they were confused with the Four Queen and Girardi story. We also had the the Sung reference. Yeah, let's talk in about. There. Let's talk about Sung for a second. So, um, Brent Spiner plays Adam Sung, who's an, who's another Sung descendant, which seems to be. Brent Spiner's thing. He plays a soon in everything. And in this particular instance, um, soon is doing um, genetic engineering and he's doing it for some military um, black ops organization. And he's working on a project called con. Okay. And people should know. He's working off of the, he was, some of his research was based the original research of Khan and he creates Soji, not Soji. What was the name? Corey, 
Corey. Uh, he creates Corey. Now, um, he creates not only one, but he creates a, do- a, do- what, a dozen different and or I'm not sure how to describe them. Beings. Beings. Superhuman beings. So, you know, was the Soon and Corey thing really needed uh, is the question. And, um, I mean, to, to set up, we know what the con project is. We know what happens on Star Trek Enterprise with um, Eric Soon, and he creates the augments, um, you know, in the not-too-distant future as seen on Star Trek Enterprise. So I'm assuming that that research has started here and just carries on through. I'm not, I don't know that for a fact, but uh, other than that, I, I can't, I, I don't know why they needed that character, what that purpose that character served other well, than, I think, I think know, they need the reason. I think they need the reason to force Sung to work with Q. Because right. Q kind of needed a way of purposely trying to stop the launch, but in the process of finishing the launch, helping Picard through his issues. So uh, we're before we before we run out of time, which we always seem to do. Um, so Q, uh, yeah, Q starts this this whole ball a rolling, and it seems to me that Q learned a lesson about himself and changes his tune halfway through. For when yeah. we see Q in the beginning. He slaps. Let's the kind car. of tie this in, in though. Does Q cause the the change, or does the board cause the change? And Q kind of helps Picard into solving the problem. That's a good question. Um, I, I think it's. I, I, I don't know. That's a good question because. Q is going to is trying to interfere with Renee and stop her from from going on the launch. He's going to snap his fingers and prevent her, but he doesn't have his abilities anymore. He can't do it. So now he assumes the role of a doctor as her psychiatrist and tries to talk her out of it. And then, uh, speaking of Q, um, Guinan, we find out that Guinan's people, the Elorians, have a treaty with the Q. And Guinan has this secret bottle of, of hooch on her bar, and if she opens it and twirls it and does this little thing and, and yells, I forgot what the exact thing is, but this time distortion thing, right. AQ will show up. She does it, and Q never comes. And the reason why Q never comes is because he doesn't have his powers. He's got to get a cab. He's got to get a bus. He's got a hitchhike. By the time he catches up with them, it's like days later. I think, or at least a day later, something like that. So we find out that a day later, a day later. So we find out that Q and Guinan do have a past together. They don't explain the wiggling of Guinan's fingers in the Q who episode, 
Well, but, and she would miss the fact that he hasn't dealt with Guinan yet. Yeah. So we kind of get right. the idea is Q, she and Q aren't going to actually formally interact until later on between now and next generation. Yes. So I, I, we have to talk about Guinan and Q. We'd be remiss if we didn't. So, so, so that's out of the way. So now back to where we are. Q is changing his mind about uh, Picard. And this to me is the high point. This is what makes the whole journey worth taking is the ending, right? The road not taken. Right. And, you know, we have this little, we have this, um, hide out this hide and seek episode where the Borg are chasing them through the catacombs and, and whatnot. And we have some phaser fights and some hide shootouts and hide and seek. And Elnor shows up as a hologram on the future, uh, future version of the La Serena, which is from a different, um, a different timeline. It's actually from the Confederation. So, so the technology is a little bit different than what we're used to. So um, Elmar has the keys to the transport, and he's keeping them away from the Borg Queen. So Elnor comes back as a hologram. And that, and that would be the last time that we actually get to see Elnor, or is it? <laughs> so anyways, Seven is going to die, and Rafi's begging uh, Gerardi slash Borg Queen to save her, which they do. But in order to save her, she has to turn her back from a human into a Borg, which is another journey that this that Picard takes, where Seven's always wanted to be human. She becomes human, but when she becomes human, she's a different person than when she's Borg. And Rafi points this out, that you've changed a couple of times and you're, you know, you're outgoing and you're, you're this and you're that. And then she gives that all up and becomes seven again, the seven that we all know and love. And the Borg queen, you know, asks her permission. This is the new Borg now. Uh, they don't just yep. run around assimilating people anymore. So well, the Borg we, get queen the new, we get the new Girardi Borg. Yes, because we've got the Borg Queen who wants to assimilate, but we've got Girardi who wants peacefulness. So we get the second, we get a different iteration of the Borg apart from the original or TNG Borg that are looking a little more peaceful, which ties back into the original episode. And at the at, at the end of this episode, they give Gerardi the La Serena, and she leaves and goes to do her Borg thing. And we find out in the next episode what exactly that means, so we think. And that leaves us with the crew hanging out at the Picard um, winery. Uh, how are we going to get home? And then comes... It all happens in this one episode. So let's start off with, let's start off with Corey. So Corey has been cured by Q 
And now she's out living amongst the humans, and she doesn't know what to do next, and she gets a message. Meet me at the library or something like that. And she goes well, there. First thing, first thing she does before that is she goes in and she destroys all of Dad's data. Dad's not going to be able to use his data to create a new human race. All these things right. she's researched, all going away. She's going to delete everything. So he can never get to this data again and try redoing it. So we know that, okay, that part of this timeline stops. He's never going to be able to do that specific research again. Then when she's done that, then she gets the message. And who who sent her the message, Charles? Who shows up? Oh, but Wesley Crusher. Wesley Will Crusher. Will Wheaton is Wesley Crusher. Now, the last time that we saw Wesley in Star Trek is Star Trek The Next Generation Season 7, the Journey's End no. episode. No. We saw him in one movie. Well, that doesn't, that really, I don't really count that because he doesn't, he just, he doesn't talk. He just well, sits I, there. You I, can. I think. You can miss I think him. with. I think in this. I think with this episode, that kind of explains that I don't think he showed up in uniform, but he actually wasn't part of Starfleet. He was a traveler, and I think he came in to be part of the wedding. But that he well, we don't, at that time was still we, part we of traveler. We don't see him interact with anybody. He sits at the table. Uh, you could miss him real easy. The last time we actually see him is in the Next Generation's episode, Journey's End, and that's when he takes off with the Traveler. So if you're looking yep. to find out what the significance of Wesley is showing up on Star Trek Picard, you want to go back and watch the TNG episode, Journey's End. That's where he actually leaves with the Traveler, which, by the way, ties into the very, very first time we see the Traveler where no man has gone before when the Traveler tells Beverly Crusher that Wesley is, a very, is very special and he has these abilities. And we don't know why. We don't know what. They just, nothing ever happens until season seven when he takes off with the Traveler. So Wesley shows up and Wesley is not a Traveler anymore. He's a supervisor. He's in charge of no, the Watchers. He's part of the Travelers. The Travelers are supervisors. No, Wes, Wesley uh, um, Talon, Wesley's in charge of Talon. Talon is a Watcher, right, but Wesley but I is think a... he's. But I think he is still a Traveler because the Travelers are the ones that are working with the Supervisors. He's definitely a traveler for sure, but I think yeah. that Wesley um, Wesley's the one that assigns the people like Laris and Gary Seven to go where they need to go. Yes, is what I was under the impression of, and he or never. He's part he of the never, group that, or he's part of the group that recruits people that become those people. Yeah, we don't really know. They're not. They don't really explain it, but that's how Wesley ends up there. So we know we see Wesley. We know what happens to Corey. She leaves. Um, 
Dr. Soon starts with about the Khan project and, and he's going to start working on augments, which we will see again on Star Trek Enterprise in the episode Augments. So we took care of those characters. Gerardi ends up merging with the Borg Queen to be a more happy Borg than we're used to seeing. So that wraps up Gerardi. Um, Elnor is dead. He's a hologram and he's, he's dead. Uh, so that's that. Seven gets turned back into a Borg. So there's seven. We have to talk about what happens to Rios next. So Q shows up and he's doing his shenanigans. And Rios decides, what does Rios decide? This didn't surprise me, but what does Rios decide to do, Charles? He see we kind of questioned worrying about, okay, is Rio's going to try taking her, the doctor, with him? But Rio's loves Earth this time period. He also admits that I just don't fit in. And he chooses to stay in this time era. And as yep. Rafi says, well, be careful. He's a handful. And her reply is, oh, piece of cake. Yep, and and, and so Rio stays there. Guinan, we learned because of Guinan how much work they do to help that time period. Yep, so that takes care of Rios. Now let's get to Picard. To me, the coup d'etat of the whole thing is what happens next. Q tells Picard, that he doesn't want to die alone. And what does Picard do to Q, Charles? What what did he do that just yeah, had yeah. me bawling like a baby? Oh, the hug. Oh, the hug. He gives Q a hug. Oh, my God. Did I lose it? Me and my wife. I Just wow. And uh, he says, mm-hmm. you're never alone. And I was like, wow. That, that, Wow. And um, it, it was incredible. And Q explains to Picard that Picard had to learn this lesson because Q didn't want Picard to be alone, like like Q feels alone. And wow, just just oh my God, yeah, it, it doesn't get any better than that, right there. And and at this point, but Q is no longer the. Yep, go ahead. Here comes an interesting point that was our big, one of our biggest debates of the season. That we did we did miss uh, Lar- not Laris, the the Watcher, but we also had the biggest question we'd had, and a lot of debate went into this: who was the Borg Queen in right. Stargazer? Right. So we're we're getting to that. I was about. I was getting to yeah. that. So, but I'm so saying Q, that was our big debate through the season. Yeah, um, we, who was? The... Yeah, we talked about that quite a lot, actually. Yes, we did. So Q has a little bit of power left, not a lot. He reminds me of like like um, like the Winter Warlock. You know, he's got a little bit of power left, but not yep. a lot. And Rafi's going to kill him because he because 
of because Elnor is gone, and uh, Q Q says uses his bit of power, and he says, "I gave I I have a surprise for you or something." I don't remember what exactly what he said, something yeah. like that. And then next thing you know, it, you they're home. right. They're back on the Stargazer, right where the episode started in the first place. Except this time, Rios isn't there. And um, Seven is there. Picard is there. And one of the things that we learn in this episode is that Seven wanted to join Starfleet, but couldn't. Because Starfleet wouldn't allow her to join because she was aboard. And Janeway went to bat for her, but they didn't even want to listen to Janeway. So she had to join the Fenris Rangers. So here they are on the Stargazer. The Borg Queen is there. That All this shenanigans is going on. Picard says to Seven, I give you a field promotion to captain and makes her the captain of the Stargazer. And then the episode unfolds a second time. Only this time, what happens different, Charles? The self-destruct doesn't go... Picard cancels the self-destruct Yes. as he hears a tune in the background. And yes. we heard that tune in the, in the first episode. We didn't realize its significance. But the second time around, we realized the significance, and Picard realizes why that song is important. Because he realizes he knows who the Borg Queen is. Yes, and who is it, Charles? It is Girardi and the Queen. That's right. And they show up, and but, she... We, we never find but out... We realize suddenly she's not, she's not trying to assimilate the ship to take it over. She wants to assimilate and modify the ship shield so they can protect and deal with the anomaly that the Borg is trying to fight. And the only, the only problem that I have with this is this. We don't know what this anomaly is. We don't know where this anomaly came from. It, it, it's just this anomaly that shows up and the Borg stop it because it's going to fire this beam that's going to wipe out all life in the quadrant. So they stop it and the Borg are going to stay there and guard the anomaly so that nothing comes through. But we don't, they never tell us, we never find out who sent the anomaly. We never find out who's on the uh, other side. No, you don't realize. No, we do find a little detail in there because who, who did this anomaly? And Girardi says, we don't know. So the Borg knew this was occurring, but did not know who was who was doing it. But we also realize that this is the formation of a stable wormhole, and we don't know who's on the other side. And the Borg offered to guard the wormhole to keep anybody from coming through. And, and they want to be part of federation to support that. So, overall, uh, the fan score, if you average up all these episodes, our Facebook fans gave Star Trek Picard Season 2 an overall fan rating of 
that's pretty respectable, actually. From all the negativity that you hear um, about it, that's pretty, that's very respectable. Yes. I think 8.7. And uh, what about you, Charles? Do you agree with that? I agree with it. I think this was a bit of a roller coaster season because you're looking at the puzzle. And we're trying to put pieces together, but we don't have a picture of what the puzzle looks like. So we're trying to put this puzzle together, and it's not until the season end that we can see our picture and we understand what happened. So I, I would give Shakar season two. We get confused by where the pieces go. Some of the pieces didn't quite fit. So Paul... Paul, who's usually with us, Paul the line guy, says, I gave it a six, and I'm being very generous. Um, he didn't dig the season at all. Gave it a generous six. Um, and let me see. Uh, Eric. Eric also gave it a six at best, a six. So Eric and Paul both very hesitantly gave it a six. And um, our good friend Nate gave it a four. So Nate gave it a four, and uh, Eric and uh, Paul both hesitantly gave it a six. And I'm going to give it a nine. Our fans gave it an 8.7, and I'm going with a nine. I I loved the ride. I loved where it went, and I really enjoyed what we learned and what, what happened throughout the episode. So I'm going to go with a nine. The fans gave it an 8.7, and you're going to go with a 8.7 as well, Charles? No. Actually, I'm going to go – it wasn't quite a 9 for me, but I'm going to go with an 8.95. So there you have it, guys. Um, and again, an hour is not enough time to talk about everything, but I think we touched on all the important parts, the big ones, um, the big things anyways. And uh, that pretty much wraps up the podcast for tonight. So uh, you guys want to tune in on Thursday night for Trek Talking. We're going to be covering the Star Trek Strange New Worlds episode, Spock Amok, which was last week's episode, Spock and T'Pring Switch Body, kind of a Friday, Freaky Friday type of hijinks episode. We're going to talk about it. And we've got our Star Trek news. Shatner says, what? And we're going to have some fun, our convention calendar, our fan shout outs, and Star Trek birthdays. Same bad time, same bad channel, Thursday night at 7.30. Next Monday, Lori Ulster is going to be on with us, and we're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 1 and After Treks. She was a producer and a writer for that, so she's going to have a lot of insight for us. We're going to have a lot of fun talking with her. She's been involved in so much. It, it's it, I'll just list everything. is very difficult, but she does. She is a co-host of the All Access Star Trek podcast. So um, you guys want to come back and visit with us on Monday and have your questions ready for Lori. It's going to be a lot of fun. Check that out next Monday at 7.30. Also, we have a new web page, which has been up for about two weeks now. If you guys want to listen to any of our past shows, you can go to www.podpage.com. P-O-D-P-A-G-E dot com backslash dash talking. 
and you can go there and find all of our old episodes there and all of the different pod uh, providers that were listed on are there. They're listed on the side. You just click on it, go right to it and give it a listen. You can also subscribe so you never miss a podcast. So check that out. It's a work in progress. I'm still tweaking things and adding things, but I think it looks pretty good. Check it out. Let me know if there's anything you'd like to see added or changed. Shoot us a message and I'll see what I can do. And uh, Trek Talking T-shirts. Yes, I picked them up today. And I'm going to be getting up on our Facebook page so that you guys can uh, wear with pride a Trek Talking T-shirt. You can show that not only are Star Trek fans the best fans, but you can also show your support for this podcast by wearing it proudly. And I'll try to get them a link for how to get your hands on a Trek Talking T-shirt. Um, maybe, I don't know if I'll get a chance to do it this week, but I'll definitely have it up soon. So keep your eye out for that. And Charles, is there anything else? Did I get everything or did I, are we all set? I think we're all set. That was quite a bit for a summary of what happened in Picard. But definitely yeah, was, was an interesting season. And Jim and I has both said, now that you've gone through it piece by piece, go back and rewatch the whole season. And I think you might get a different perspective of the season when you do get a watch through a straight through. You might not be able to do 10 straight hours at once, but do five hours and five hours or do it, but watch it straight through. Yeah. It, kind of give better. yourself an idea of what happened. So uh, we're going to wrap up the show tonight. I want to say thank you so much to, to Anna from Portland for calling in and hanging out with us tonight. Thank you so much, Anna. I don't know if I lost you or not. Oh, I'm I sorry. I pushed my mute oh. button. Nope. Thank that's you. okay. I, just, I, I hope that we didn't spoil it for you too much. No, I'm enjoying watching it on uh, a discussion. So. Excellent. Excellent. And, of course, I want to say thank you so much to Charles for hanging out and Trek talking about Picard with me tonight. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. It was you got you got me to go through and actually binge the whole thing, so now I've got a better understanding of the series. And uh, we definitely missed Paul and Eric tonight, but they'll be back with us on Thursday night, so don't you guys worry. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying Star Trek fans are the best fans. And please, everybody, stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Engage.